it is nolan admitting guilt for starting the superhero movie trend okay well i did the batman movies and now well we have superhero movies all the time and it's oh, my fault it's my fault my bar is so low that i'm shocked that they made a movie that was positive about technology was it yeah it just felt nice that we didn't get beat up on our heads about like technology is bad for you it's all evil and everything's going to like come get you and end the world and that's it the movie does make you want to be part of something bigger than yourself this was a story worth telling we need to inspire this generation next generation of people to go solve hard problems to go build things to be of service and that complexity can be powerful we are going to review the movie after summer yeah i mean when did we first see the trailer i think it was in imax before uh one of the big imax movies i'm going to say it was before top gun maverick i think uh, because i think there was a big imax that's movie that's right yeah It was like a year ago now. Yes. Something yes. was that sort. Yeah. So, well, spoiler, we are going to talk about Oppenheimer. Yes, we are. And uh there's a bunch of stuff we want to talk about. The man, the movie, everything. The hat. So, we actually saw it a week after it came out. This is maybe the more of the mo- this is probably the most along with Barbie, the most anticipated movie of yeah. the summer. I wanted to see it right. And so we so, so, so we waited for a week because we wanted to go see it in uh IMAX. 70 millimeter, millimeter yeah. uh which is in uh so there are a few spots in the country where you can do that and you know we we're lucky enough in San Francisco to live close to one but it took a week to get tickets yes it's fully booked out i mean i think this is week 3 week 4 and it's still mostly packed which kind of warms my heart like yeah. people are actually coming back to the movies um when the movie is right and when the movie is uh, worth watching i think people still show up so that was kind of nice to see why are we talking about this movie here today I think one, you know, we you and I we love movies. Yeah. Uh we love going to the movies. It's always been a part of you know our ritual, uh especially summertime blockbusters is something we've just been very excited about. But I think Oppenheimer is very special. One, it's Christopher Nolan's movie. One of the people we admire the most on just filmmaking and and the craft of doing it right. Uh but also there are two different themes on Christopher Nolan and on you know the Oppenheimer the concept the subject itself and both like loosely tied towards technology and tech positivity in a mm-hmm. way and it it really strongly resonates with us our ethos what we do and the, the industry that we we are in you know we are squarely in technology and so you know we want to talk about parallels to what we are seeing today mm-hmm. in the tech world and all of it but the movie making the craft of it is so beautiful yeah And then there is Oppenheimer as a person and the bomb and the build up to the bomb just building things shipping things yeah. getting things done project managing yes, all yes. of it project managing yes and it, it's just it's I hate to say it but it's kind of exciting yes, you know yes. the, the whole act of it is just so exciting it's not even just like this whole bomb going off at the end but the the entire process is so great and it will be so hard for us to not have this episode because there's so much to go talk about. It's been a while since we had a movie event mm-hmm. like this where uh, I mean there are obviously big summer blockbuster movies every year. Uh, we loved Top Gun Maverick uh, last year. Yeah. Um but this was an event in that there was almost this meta narrative going in oh, is this going to be about AI? Is yeah. this going to be uh, is this going to be about science? Is it going yeah. to be about communism? Yes. Uh, uh or so many other themes. So but maybe let's take this in sequence, right? One of the most exciting parts of the movie was maybe the build up and lead to it and actually going to the theater um so walk us through 
that experience because we wound up going there on a Saturday afternoon. Right. Saturday afternoon, we usually try to do like late night shows. And this time, these were the only ones where we had decent tickets for. Mm-hmm. Uh, got in, got into an Uber, Uber, showed up there. This time, you know, there are no trailers. Yes, but uh, thanks to somebody on Twitter had told us about it. I know, it. somebody, whoever warned us, thank you, because we would have shown up. We usually show up right on time. But, you know, we generally are like 20 minutes or so of trailers mm-hmm. and then the movie starts. But you get in there, you know, the the thing, the logo goes up and it's just like... It just bang. You're yeah, you're, it's like, ooh, IMAX, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Uh, uh, and then Nicole you're Kidman? like in. Was Nicole Kidman there? No, I don't no think Nicole so. No Nicole Kidman? Yeah, no Nicole Kidman. Oh, wow, she was okay. not trapped in the theater yes. anymore. And so... <laughs> Somebody uh, let her free. Yeah. Uh, Side note, I just love how Nicole Kidman has become a meme. People applaud. People cheer for Nicole Kidman when she shows up on the AMC commercial. It's, mm. it's fantastic. Uh, gosh, yes. But you show up, you know, the, the IMAX stuff shows up and then there is, you're there in the movie and it just kicks off. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there going, okay, like we've been waiting for this movie all year. Expectations are super high. Uh, we tried very hard to not read any spoilers, no spoilers, like we know what happens, mm-hmm. but we just didn't want to like talk about the movie. So yeah. we tried to stay away from like reading anything about it and all of that. And so it totally delivered, I would say, at the end of this, like it was a three hour plus mm-hmm. movie. I don't know. What's like the buildup for yeah, you? I think so. One is I tried really hard to stay away from the meta narratives because I did not want to be told what to think about the movie before going in, which was really hard because we saw it a week after everyone had, I think, seen it. The second part of it is I think we did the right thing in waiting for uh, to be shown on uh, 70 millimeter IMAX. So there are this movie shows up in multiple formats, but 70 millimeter IMAX is very simply put the biggest screen you can watch it on, mm-hmm. and um, and I think it's truly worth it. It is truly a cinematic experience in terms of the audio. Um, and the visual. And I'll just say, you know, it was just energizing to go there on a Saturday afternoon. And if you went on a Saturday afternoon because every seat was booked out. Let me ask, what is your overall take after three hours of the movie? The movie, well, obviously we're going to spoil it. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it first. Um, The movie almost ends on this like kind of negative note. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite agree with it. I didn't feel that. I actually felt like exhilarated I was part of it was like wow we built that like we built this whole thing hugely complex uh, problem uh, and like just building off the entire bomb was like for me was very intriguing as a project like how do you test it how do you get it off the ground all of it but then you know there was this whole like thing about Einstein communism did we set off this like chain reaction? Is this going to be? But now we know many years after through Cold War, through everything else that no, actually things worked out okay. You know, in the sense of like it didn't really set off like this big nuclear chain reaction. Mm-hmm. It it ends in this like almost, oh my God, what have we done kind of mode. I didn't quite feel that way. And maybe I was one of the few people there. I actually felt like this was a story worth telling. Um, we need to inspire this generation, next generation of people to go solve hard problems, to go build things, to be of service. And that complexity can be powerful. And, and you know, the, then the other part about it, and you, I think you've read a lot of books on Oppenheimer. What was the book called? Uh, the, Prometheus. Am- the American Prometheus. They, they have that line in the movie, which I thought was like a good wink, wink, nudge, mm-hmm. nudge. 
for me, like getting exposed to this person who's like clearly brilliant, has these different personas, different facets, uh, but can come together and do this and can manage a team to get this delivered. I thought it was like a great story to be told. Yeah. I think my prevailing emotion, I think coming out of it, which was uh, in some ways, it, the movie does make you want to be part of something bigger than yourself. And I think there's a theme through the movie right. uh, of being called to service, being around amazing people, uh, you know, being in a project which they have questions and qualms about, but they know will define their lives um, and just being a part of history. When you come out, you know, you, you I think you definitely feel that. Second is this is Nolan at the peak of his powers. You see all the historical Nolan, you know, signature traits, but take to the max. For example, uh, the the movie just feels relentless. So it's actually a three-hour movie, but I think it could easily been a two-hour movie. Um, uh, it feels like a two-hour movie rather, just because it just moves in this relentless fashion. Mm. And there are so many times where uh, you know he, Nolan does such a great job of telling a story cinematically. Uh, for example, the interleaving of the uh, the stuff with Robert Downey Jr. post Trinity test, which is in black and white, with what happens pre-test and the story being told back and forth. The other Nolan signature, which is an event which gets interpreted, uh, which comes keeps coming, ba- they keep coming back to. Uh, in this case, him ha- chatting with Einstein near the pond. But every time you see it, you get a, a slightly different interpretation. Right. Um, and I think he just pulled out all the tricks of the trade, which you've seen him build up to make something which could easily been boring, but seemed just cinematic spectacle. And one thing I really appreciate about this movie is, um, I suspect a lot of people in tech expected it to be preachy, but it wasn't. Yeah. It doesn't actually tell you, except maybe at the little end, what to think. Uh, it's actually very ambiguous, uh, and in a way maybe true to fiction about what Oppenheimer himself thinks. Um, and it really leaves things open to uh, uh, interpretation, which I uh, really appreciated. But I think from just a cinematic spectacle, uh, it was fantastic. And we have to start talking about the performances. So Killian Murphy... Uh, was amazing. What's short for you about uh, him? I mean, when you look at um, what Oppenheimer really looks like, they look very eerily alike. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's the first thing that catches you because like the fo- the photographs uh, of Oppenheimer and Killian Murphy, they are like very, very similar. Um, so that I thought was like interesting because, you know, I'm, he's gone through this big transformation, has worked really hard for this. Um, the The intensity of the role of the character um, I think was really great. Just the the costume design, like you know, I think in real life too, Oppenheimer like knew the role that he was playing, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, dressed the part. Like the hat really stands out, and uh, and so like I thought they paid a really good. Uh, it, there was great attention to detail on the costumes of the people. It just feels like the, he just showed up and came to play. Like Kelly yeah. Murphy just was like really powerful. He talked about how when he was preparing for the role, he figured out that Oppenheimer was such a I think the phrase used was self-mythologizing character. He mm-hmm. really cared about his outfit. And this actually comes up in a few scenes in the movie. For example, one of the best scenes is when they show up at Los Alamos. Oppenheimer is wearing a military uniform. Yeah. And he's told, like, why are you doing that? You're not one of them. You're one of us. You have to act like a scientist. And that then he breaks out the, the trademark hat and, uh, you know, the rest of his outfit. So yeah. Oppenheimer in reality was very much a self-mythologizing figure. Always had a sense of his place in history. Wanted it, created it, and then eventually got it. And I think they really portray that. Uh, for me, I think, you know, one is obviously Nolan attracts so many amazing people who just show up for one scene. Yes, Like, yes. Gary Ol- Gary Ol- like shows up for one scene in his room and then he kills it. Uh, but I think the people, the two people who really make the movie work uh, are, and I'm stealing this from another review or conversation I had with somebody else, where because 
Matt Damon is so good yeah. as uh, General, General Gross. Uh, and then Robert Downey Jr. And General Gross is kind of the good guy, right? He's, he plays the good guy. He plays the voice of the establishment, but he's really kind of the good guy. He also yeah. comes comically. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you have Robert Downey Jr. who essentially plays the villain. Yeah. So in some ways, both of them kind of take the pressure off of Killian Murphy to be a traditional protagonist uh, or antagonist. So and so you yeah. can see in the middle, you can see ambiguous because uh, you cannot have the other mora- moral poles here. But I think of Amad them, we actually really loved uh, Matt Damon's performance yeah. and especially the scene where they the first The scene, scene where they meet, I think when General Groves and Killian Murphy, like uh, when Opp- Oppenheimer meet in his lab, mm-hmm. um, you know, General Groves is tasked with the, the Manhattan Project and finding a person to go lead that, right? And so he's going through his list of names and he comes to Oppenheimer and has this like first scene where he's like, you know, yeah, I don't think you're the right person for this role. And he like just rattles off a bunch of attributes that are just super negative. Dear uh-huh. might have communist sympathies. Uh, I think, you know. Uh, you're it, unstable. There's yeah, like a bunch of a bunch. stuff in there. And then Killian Murphy like pauses and says, and mm, you didn't mention brilliant. And he's like, well, that's kind of part of what you do. And that's a circle that you are in. So that's taken for granted. So no, like I'm not going to call you that. But everything else is really concerning. And so they have this like back and forth. I mean, obviously, you know, General Groves ends up picking Oppenheimer and they start like working together on this thing. But it was a great, it it was an incredible scene because you can see the chemistry between the two of them. They, they could, they, they got along. It would really work. They kind of like play off of each other. There is intensity there. They're both speaking truth, but they're also trying to see past that in the virtues of this other person mm-hmm. and you know the stakes are really high you know there is a war going on yeah um this there is this is a big project there is a huge budget attached to it there are thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of lives at stake and they have to pick a guy to go lead it so it's it, there's so much gravity towards you know the, this decision here mm-hmm. so you can see the whole thing play out through this one scene this is yeah. a pivotal scene and it i think it comes in like a full hour into yeah. the movie or something and I remember leaning into Sharam and being like after like 60 minutes we get to see this like this this you know go at it scene no more throat like, clearing yeah no more throat clearing it just like lights up the screen and yeah. uh, Matt Damon just comes in like guns blazing and just like yeah. I think it's very important and I think the Matt Damon Killian Murphy dynamic is very important because one is um, Matt Damon's job is to make the audience like Oppenheimer in a way so he actually does this thing where he he explains to the audience why they should like Oppenheimer. Explains all of it, and uh, it's one of the few places I think where you see Oppenheimer smile uh, when he mm-hmm. chats with him. I think the other flip version of that scene is when they are in that little cabin um, waiting for the test, mm-hmm. where uh, which I think shows in the trailer, where you know Matt Damon's like, "Wait, you're telling me there's a chance? You know, the atmosphere gets lit up and we all die. Yeah, and you know, what do you get from theory?" what do you expect from theory alone? And he's like, zero would be nice. So I think Matt Damon plays multiple roles. He's the moral center. He's a good guy. Uh, he is... But also uh, the voice of the audience. He's the voice of the audience. And he also brings comic liberty because he's... Uh, so I thought that was a fantastic role. Uh, and I also really loved Robert Downey Jr. in this role because it's the first time we haven't seen him play Iron Man. And what I mean by that is I think for... <laughs> 15 years, every Robert Downey Jr. role we have seen, whether it was an Iron Man or Sherlock Holmes, it was always a variation of what I kind of think the real Robert Downey Jr. is like. Uh, this was the first time you kind of saw him go outside of that right. to uh, something else. Uh, I think the other person who was huge for the movie 
is Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt was fantastic. Emily yeah. Blunt was fantastic, and uh, I think I they, um I think with Emily Blunt, what I really liked was they introduced her mm-hmm. in this very like, traditional context of this is a wife, she has kids, all of that. But then in that the the closed door hearing, you almost have her not be visible at all. Yeah. If in the first yeah. bunch of scenes, she's almost like blurred out it's in the background. Because you are not even like this is Emily Blunt. Yeah, everyone's like that. That's Emily Blunt, right? Like we we know who that is. Any other movie director would have been like pants to Emily Blunt, pants to you know Killian Murphy and or whoever's like on the witness stand kind of thing. But you know, Nolan just like decides to ignore her for the most part mm-hmm. until the point where she comes in, sits down, and does her thing, and she like kills it, right? Like, and and like right at the very end, there is a scene where she like, refuses to shake hands, yes. uh, which is one of my favorite scenes. Really strong performance, end to end, and it's not an easy role to play. Like she's supposed to be, and maybe I'm in the minority here. There are like some of these roles in these movies where you're supposed this typically happens to like the, the wife roles or the female roles where it's like you're supposed to be chaotic neurotic crazy but you're supposed to have like gravitas you're supposed to like be the powerful lady and hold everything together but hey you're crazy too and mm-hmm. it's like which one is it like make up your mind and it's very very hard to play it and clearly here she has issues they kind of Hinted like alcoholism. They kind of hinted more than like, hinted, actually, I think. And they're like, "Well, is she a good mom? Is she not?" Like they kind of like, she's like irritated by her kids crying and all of that. They like at some point hand over over a kid to, and it's like we're just selfish people, and he just hands off the kid, and you're like, "Well, okay." So there's like a lot of bad things, bad attributes uh, about like the wife character, but somehow she like has to play that role, but also be like. No, actually, uh, you know, she kind of talks about Robert Downey Jr. It's like, do you not see this, you people? Yeah. Like, it's him yeah. who's the one who's been doing this. But also at the very end, you know, Killian like waits for her and she shows up and he's like, she. there are a lot of things that I might not ag- agree with her, but she will always show up for me. Mm-hmm. And she like shows up and is a total loyalist, sits, stands by him, sits next to him, gives a testimony, uh, refuses to shake hands. Mm-hmm. Like, she's always like, been this big fan of Oppenheimer right. and uh, is always loyal to him, which I thought was like yeah. a great complex portrayal of her. I, I guess one interesting thing to explore is the idea of uh, project management. Yeah. Right? Um, leading up all the way to the test. So what was your takeaway from just seeing that entire sequence in Los Alamos starting from when they picked the site all the way to the Trinity test? I mean, they tried to do justice to the whole project and the setup and stuff. But I almost feel like Nolan had like a hundred more hours of tape and they had to like edit through a lot of that. And so um, you don't like if you've read the Wikipedia entry or any of the books on this, like there are like whole books on just the project and the test and the setup and how they picked this town, how they created the test site, who they hired everything was like it, it, it's a it's a huge endeavor right and then none of it is straightforward it's a lot of complexities lots of like really insane decisions i felt like it was very good to me the things that stood out was surprisingly oppenheimer being the scientist that he was was actually also a really great project manager yeah and that really came through in the movie which i thought was like kind of kind of neat because you know, in our world, it's like the 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 software architect who just wants to like 
lock themselves in a room and write code all day. And the the, the stereotype is that they are not good people managers mm-hmm. and they don't like to manage projects. And it was it would could have been so easy to kind of frame Oppenheimer that way that is like he's a crazy reclusive genius uh, physicist scientist person who's like working on this thing like laboratory does stuff mm-hmm. and you know they have a montage sequence and tada there's a test but no he actually is a really good project manager uh, even like setting uh, setting out the whole test area in Los Alamos. Oh, we should like build a town here. We should like bring their wives. We should bring yeah. the kids. We should set up schools. We should, uh, you know, like him and the Matt Damon character, General Groves, like are working together on how do you build this ecosystem around building the test site, right? Like it's not just the testing alone. It's like testing is almost like a side effect of getting all the people and the ingredients in place. And they actually showed all of that in uh, uh, happening. So that I thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think at the time of, uh, when he was hired, right, and uh, Matt Damon refers to, like, he didn't have a Nobel Prize. I don't think he was even regarded as one of the best scientists of his time. Right. And uh, I don't think he ever, you know, at, you know, he was kind of, like, individually, you know, um, at sort of, like, there are others who were considered better than him, to put it mildly. But you're right. Like, he turns out that he was actually an amazing project manager. And I think the movie, is actually, that part is actually very relevant for those of you who are kind of watching and you're trying to figure out, like, lessons to apply. Uh, which is how do you recruit some of the best people? Mm. And there's, I think part of it is like he gives them a mission, which is, hey, you're going to save America and maybe the world um, because the Nazis having the bomb would be really bad. And then he sets up an environment where they can just do that work unencumbered. Um, he's very clear about what the best people in the world need to do that work. Like They need access to all these resources. They need access to their families. They need to hang out with each other. I also really like the dynamic they showed in the meetings, right? Like there'll be this few meetings they show where he'll drop the uh, you know, the candy in the bowl to kind of show how much you know yeah. refined uh, plutonium I think they had. He's a first among equals where he's never making the decision. They all respect each other, but he's you know he, he, he you know it's a collaborative environment, but it's clear who's in charge. And a lot of this maps to if you read you know American Prometheus or, or the Rhodes book, how things really went out. Yeah. So I think there's a lesson in there about giving people a sense of huge purpose, of course, in a, uh, a purpose uh, which probably most owners can't or shouldn't replicate. Uh, second, giving them an environment where they can do their best work, harnessing the best out of them. And also, I think most importantly, like having a deadline and having to ship, right? The, one of the biggest things there is like, it's not research. The, the movie keeps coming back to it. It's not theory. You, you actually have to go build this thing. Mm-hmm. You actually have to go do it. And so you actually have to go ship. So there's this great book called Organizing Genius, which talks, which goes into the Manhattan Project. It goes into Pixar. And you see this Teams come up all the time. Mission, small group, billion people. We may not always agree. Um, you know, giving them a fantastic environment where they can work, and also being forced to ship, which I think is like very, very um, common scenes. But yeah. which yeah. other point? What do you think of the actual, the bomb, the moment, the three D explosion? Do you think Christopher Nolan was like, all right, they're going to blow up this uh, nuclear weapon? I mean, they the said desert. they said there was no CGI. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if that meant no like CGI cleanup. No, see, like, what? What does that really mean? Somebody in the Pentagon was like, "We have a very unusual request from Christopher Nolan, right?" Like, <laughs> not to get into like the 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 virtues of you know, should should you have built a bomb, World War Two implications, all of that. To me, what was fascinating was the fact that this was a hugely complex technolo- and technological problem. Uh-huh. Um, it was not clear at that time on who was winning. There was this whole fog of war. Uh, was it the Russians? Was it the Nazis? Who's building what? And all you get was like, 
if they have it, then we are dead and uh, the world was going to end. And you should build it first so that the bad guys don't have it and get to like, you know, leverage it and basically destroy everything. And so in in that context and setting it up, uh, setting all of that was kind of interesting and useful because you see it's never easy to like do a movie that's like ultimately about a bomb and killing people. Yeah. So in that context and framing, you're like, okay, but this is a hugely uh, complex problem. And so when that final scene, when the bomb goes off, you can kind of feel it. And maybe it was our... The yeah, yeah, we actually uploaded the theater. I think we actually applauded, a bunch of people applauded in the theater. It yeah. felt like an engineering accomplishment. Yes, exactly. It, it It's it's a bit odd to clap for it. Yeah, but I, I, I have to ask you, can we clap for this? Like, yeah. you know, are we supposed to? But to me, it felt like this is a software project that shipped. Yeah, <laughs> let's ignore the fact it's going to kill hundreds of thousands of people. You want yeah. to clap for it. Um, I do think like it's interesting because, you know, on that moment, it was kind of present as a triumph. I thought it was interesting in the end of the movie, um, uh, they show the scene with Einstein and yeah. he basically tells Einstein, like, I might have already killed the world setting off the same reaction. Yeah. The movie, that's actually the, really the only spot the movie takes a stance on how they want Yeah, I felt to, really, yeah. What about the movie did not work? That did not work. The yeah. ending of the movie, I almost feel like, hey, look, maybe this is just my stance. It, it is probably my stance. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people felt like, oh, yeah, this is bad, bad for humanity. But you have to put it in context of where they were at that mm-hmm. point. And they truly, truly thought if the bad guys, quote unquote, bad guys got it, the world would end. Uh, and uh, this is it. This is a race. This is a fight for survival. Think of it as like any other construct where it's you versus somebody else. Whoever gets this, gets it done first, wins. And then like the movie does a great job of like not picking sides and not taking a stance. I also really appreciated like the whole communism part. They were very fair about it. They made it very factual. They didn't make it like he was a communist, has associations, or they weren't like communist, but okay, whatever kind of thing. They actually showed the complexity of the whole thing, clearly brilliant, clearly the person in in hindsight to have led this project, but clearly also had a troubled, like a different background, Mm -hmm. which was problematic. Um, But that ending scene was like, to your point, was the one where they actually ended up taking a stance, being like, ooh, maybe the world has already ended, Mm -hmm. or I I caused the world to already end kind of thing. And you're like, don't do that. You just capitulated. It just felt... Yeah, I know, I know, it it did. You know, my favorite interpretation by far about that ending was, uh, they said, it is Nolan admitting guilt for starting the superhero movie trend. Right? Uh, uh, which is like, he's like, well, I did the Batman movies and now, well, we have superhero movies all the time and... It's you know, my fault. It's my fault, right? Yeah. It's like, which is my favorite interpretation of the end. Well, yeah, I mean, I I just think we, we are especially at this time where we should encourage generations to go build things. And uh, to me, that, that ending, I understand where Nolan came from on taking that stance, but... That's the part I did not agree. I think the flaw with the ending is that, well, I think the challenge of the ending is that it's going to perhaps encourage a lot of people to think that their work is important enough that it could end the world when it is not, uh, as opposed to Oppenheimer where his work maybe could have. In what way? What's the... Reference? I don't know. Like, you're just fixing some, you know, uh, small-time bug in uh, um, some small-time piece of software and you're like, well, I could not destroy the world. And, well, maybe you won't. Uh, uh, but I do think kind of ties in the self-mythology aspect of it a lot. I think a few things the movie which didn't work there were kind of these little throwaway scenes. For example, uh, by uh, somebody said, John F. Kennedy is mentioned like an Avengers character. Right? <laughs> like, you know, you're like, you know, it's like, oh, 
Wait, that, 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 that's another comic book Kennedy. This is that it was Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. And you're like, okay. Okay. So, right, I, know, like, so I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a comic book reference. That yeah. didn't work. Um, I think the other challenge was uh, they struggled at times to show Nolan's inner dialogue. I think especially because it's unclear what his stance on things. So, and the way they did it was to show, you know, I think the few times the scene was used, which was to show the uh, nuclear explosion, but yeah. happening inside the uh, little prosecution room where uh, the hearings happened. Or oh, inside. you didn't like that. No, yeah. because I just thought it was like, it, I, I think it was a way of trying to say, oh, he's feeling regret or guilt. Um, and I just felt that... Did, did you like the, the other scene where they were like applauding, clapping? I think that was well done because I think... Like it, the face is peeling no, off. No, I think it was well done because I think that was so well done technically. The audio... The, the audio was muted, but you could still... But hear. also like, there was kind of a... There was this... I think the movie uses multiple times where... Uh, just like in Dunkirk, there is a rising tension in the score. Uh, and in that case, it was like, all the feet stomping and then it leads to something and then there is the release. Yeah, they call movie. it the wall of sound, right? The, yeah, it, 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 and it happens yeah. to the bomb too because when the test goes up, they just goes uh, yeah. silent. So I think that worked. The other thing was like, there are so many characters in there. Only later do you figure out like, oh, that's Richard Feynman because yeah. he's playing the Bhagavad So there are all these like ridiculously famous, you know, great minds uh, in the 20th century. Yeah, I just think he had like way too much um, tape yeah, uh, there, this would this would have been like an, a sixteen-hour movie if you had just let it be. If I was in the job business of trying to hire a theoretical physicist or in, into academia, this is a great movie, right? <laughs> that, like basically, what it is telling you that you know, if you study physics, right, like you're going to hang around attractive people, you're going to do amazing yeah. work, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like you know, you're going to it's like you you basically James Bond, yeah. you know, as I a mean, scientist. But in real life, he did learn Sanskrit. Yes. To be able to read the Bhagavad Gita, he was a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. In the movie, uh, the lines that they quote is actually like you know exactly because I don't think that those lines actually, actually in the Gita actually wind up meaning what what he they convey it to mean in the movie. Yeah. Uh, in the Gita, when well, we're going to go into a bit of a detour here. Mm-hmm. This is basically Krishna's line where he talks about time and time, him becoming time, time being the death of everything or causing the. In, over time, everything dies. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the. The audience, I'm sure, where we explained uh, Hindu scripture in uh, 30 <laughs> seconds. It was a bit tacky to have used it. Like it yeah. felt unnecessary almost. But you know, like like you say, uh, this is a great way to recruit engineers. Yes, so. that is true. Yeah, like well, this is this is what your life as a theoretical physicist looks like. Not you know, classroom or board. You're gonna get out, hang out at Florence, Florence Pugh and. Uh, Emily Blunt and all these people and maybe you know save the world okay yes implications for AI before going into the movie theater before watching the movie I kind of thought they were going to like do this the the parallels to this are like the world of AI today kind of thing and you know we've done episodes on this on how AI is going to save the world I think if you if you haven't watched it there is a great Mark and recent episode uh, where we do a whole thing on this I kind of thought they were going to have like parallels to this but they didn't mm-hmm. which I thought was like it was refreshing Look, honestly, my bar is so low that I'm shocked that they made a movie that was positive about technology. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I I think Christopher Nolan is like is is a techno optimist. I think any of his movies, many of his movies are about tech and building tech, and maybe I just see it that way. But um, it just felt nice that we didn't get beat up on our heads about like technology is bad for you it's all evil and everything's going to like come get you and end the world and that's it and look at the comparison with ai and look at the comparison with this like the next new thing and they didn't do all of that and they didn't try to be too smart about it 
and i really like that restraint mm-hmm. uh, they just stated the facts for the most part and just make made it almost like a a a, a late documentary almost um and just captured it that way which i thought was like interesting yeah i know i was watching a lot of the nolan interviews and this he doesn't really mention ai at all um and of course a lot of these movies are meant you know it's not what the filmmaker intends what you take away from it but i don't think it's really meant to be a revolution i think it's actually really just meant to be more nuclear weapons yeah. okay final takeaways and thoughts i mean I've, you should go watch it mm-hmm. everybody like whether no matter what people tell you go watch it there are lots of lessons here i think for people for founders for people building companies for big complex projects um obviously about like patriotism what it means for your country to be of service to your country and look obviously this is all about america and uh making this like huge project happen in the US kind of thing it's obviously on that context but i think it applies to what it means for you to be of service to your country and i think it's something that in tech we don't really get to see a lot of on a day to day basis and it's only now like at least in the US and stuff it's um it's becoming a thing right and uh, i think we need a lot of that uh the power of applying technology in deeply interesting ways to to serve the nation good to go see that uh in all forms not just story but visuals and audio um and think about just like the idea of engineering things you know so much of the movie is just about people trying to build yeah. things overcome hard problems in a team and that's where like great work happens and you can't i i know that a lot of people walk with different emotions but i do think it makes you want to work around great people at least that's what i did but yeah. highly highly recommended that you go watch it this might also be our episode where we finally get canceled so Oh, well, that's, that hasn't <laughs> happened. Well, we should have been many multiple episodes ago, so we're long overdue. Yeah, long overdue anyway. On that note, let us know what you think, especially about Oppenheimer. Uh, you know, like, subscribe, uh, drop comments, you know the deal. Until next time.